Hello and welcome to Switzer TV. I'm Peter Switzer. And on tonight's show, we see why the Joe Biden US election win could be good for local house prices with Wealthy's co-founder Peter Escho, who is also impressed with Premier Dan Andrews' halving of the stamp duty in the Victorian budget. We then talk to the agent who's selling a castle in Sydney owned by someone who has never lived in the castle because he lives in another castle on the other side of the city. And the owner is a former multiple Olympian and national captain. And then we see why the CEO of the Real Estate Institute of New South Wales, Tim McKidden, is not impressed with the New South Wales government's effort to cut stamp duty on property sales while toying with the idea of introducing an annual property tax. That's the show, so let's kick off now with Peter Escho on why Joe Biden could be good for Australian house prices. Well, who would have thought that the US election could have an impact on the Australian property market? But Peter Escho, the co-founder of Wealthy, uh, says that is actually the case. There will be a, a Biden effect. Plus, I'm sure there's even a Daniel Andrews effect with the Victorian budget as well. Pete, thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me again. All right, now, Peter, just for our viewers, what does Wealthy do? So Wealthy is a real estate investment platform. And basically what we do is we allow people to come in and build a property plan in 60 seconds. And then we help people match um, their profile with the right properties in the market. Okay, so it's, it's like a property matching service in many ways, isn't it? Yeah, it's sort of like the tender for real estate investors. Oh, you said that, not me. Anyway, um, let's, let's do, deal with the, the Biden story first of all. Why do you think Biden and the US election generally can have effects on the Australian property market? So Australia has been caught in the crossroads between the US and China's trade war. Um, we've basically bore the brunt of uh, threats, uh, economic threats. And I think what's also happened is a lot of the Chinese investors that were coming into the Australian market and investing here um, have maybe shied away for a little bit. And so if we see a Biden administration that looks to ease some of those trade tensions, uh, then you could potentially see some of those Chinese investors that have been looking at places like Portugal and Dubai um, and shying away from Australia, investing in Australia, potentially coming back. Mm -hmm. You've also got the impact of stimulus. I mean, three odd trillion dollars of stimulus coming into the market. That's going to have uh, pressure on rates. That's going to have pressure on inflation and asset prices. And so, um, yeah, they're, they're the things that we're watching closely. So do you think that uh, Beijing has actually discouraged uh, Chinese residents from investing in places like Australia? I don't know if there's been a directive um, that, that's come from the top. I know, for example, anecdotally that they have told uh, parents to look at alternatives for their children's education. Um, and, you know, those students that come here and, and study here, it's, it's a bit of a gateway mm. for the family to migrate here and they buy real estate and they can only buy brand new real estate because they're non-residents. Um, and so that's propped up the market, for example. So there've been a lot of anecdotal signs and we've actually seen in the market, uh, one of the biggest problems a few years ago was trying to get access uh, to brand new property coming onto the market. A lot of it was being sold directly into China and into Asia. And we're seeing a lot more availability for the local market now. And I think you know, that's something that we're watching very closely to see if it reverses back to the extremes that we saw in 2015, 2016. Right. Um, in, what indicators would we be watching to validate your 
Biden expectations? Uh, well, uh, what we find really well, I mean, where, where we have a lot of value in the market is we have very good access to supply. And so we're screening supply, we're meeting with developers every single day, we're seeing what projects they're bringing on, online, what projects they have in the market at the moment, what their current residual stock looks like. And I think over the past couple of weeks, we've seen stock moving. Um, so while at the beginning of this year, there was a fair bit of residual stock in the market and there were some great deals for investors, the developers in the market aren't as desperate as what they were three months ago, six months ago, or even 12 months ago. Peter, what about the demand effects of the problems with some apartment complexes, you know, the mascot one, the one at, uh, at Homebush? What impact is that having in terms of demand for apartments? Yeah, you're 100% right. So a lot of investors have looked to those anecdotes and those disaster situations, and, and that's what they are. They're, they're disasters for somebody that's gone and put their life savings into something like that. Um, and a lot of buyers are now looking for a different kind of product. They're looking for a house and land product, and the federal government's home builder scheme has actually put a, really a, a rocket under the, the house and land market. Mm. Um, because if you have a look at Home Builder, how it's structured, it really incentivizes you to buy the land, settle on it, and build straight away. Um, and so a lot of buyers have probably gone into house and land, but there's also what we call the missing middle, which is townhouse and villa style, um, where you can buy into a strata scheme. It is more cost conscious, it is more suitable for investors because you get the depreciation out of it. And they've definitely, um, we've seen developers producing more stock like that and bringing more onto the market. You've also seen developers looking at, instead of trying to pack as many apartments into one complex and, and sell 100 apartments, maybe they're building larger format and instead of doing 100, they're doing 50 beautiful um, apartments and trying to target a big downsizer market with the aging demographics. So they're some of the, the factors that have fed in post Opal Towers. Okay, what about the the Victorian budget? You know, Before we came on air, you made a point that it was a pretty um, good budget for uh, not only real estate generally, but your business. So tell us why. So I know a lot of the, the, the viewers that um, watch this program, there's a lot, of, a lot of them that have been waiting for a collapse and they've been calling for a collapse since the beginning of the year. And um, you know, previously when I've come on to your program, I've said that supply is very important and the governments will actually go to all measures to support the market. And so federally we saw Home Builder that really supported the market at a really important time and that provided stimulus because you know putting putting that much money in in and then the leverage around that um, makes a big impact on price and i think what victoria has realized is that their property market was at risk and so what we saw in the budget this week is the victorian government actually saying that on top of every other piece of stimulus first home buyer grants home builder grants they're going to uh, provide a 50% waiver on stamp duty for contracts entered into between this week and the 30th of June. And, you know, if you if you look at that, you know, an average property in Victoria, or whether you're an investor or a home buyer, you're going to get stamp duty relief. And if that's worth 15, 20 grand, um, you know, seven times that, which is what the banks are lending at the moment, that's about 150 grand worth of price support, which is about 20% of, of medium price. That's very, very significant because a lot of investors have been unsure about the Victorian recovery, but now there's even more ammunition being thrown by the state governments. And New South Wales last week opened the door to 
cutting stamp duty altogether. And so these two things are massive for the investor market. Yeah. Uh, Pete, what are you seeing in relation to enthusiasm to buy properties, particularly investors? Are you seeing in various states more enthusiasm than in other states? Yeah, I think um, there are a lot of people that are unsure, right? So while, while we do come on and we paint a rosy picture because we, under, uh, you know, we fundamentally believe in the asset class, I think there are still a lot of people that have insecurity around their work, uh, that have insecurity around their household budgets. But there have also been those people that have had cash and have been in a strong position coming into this year. And now they're looking at their term deposits and saying, you know, I'm getting half a percent return on my money if I'm lucky per annum. The stock market's moved and the ASX 200 hit um, its highest level uh, this year, this week. And so there's, there's a shift coming back to the real estate argument. ANZ went from predicting a 9% decline last year to a 10% increase. CB, CBA CEO came out and said he was probably too pessimistic when they released their result. So the tide is changing. And those that have been in a position to move have moved already. Those that have been on the fence, there is less. Uh, real estate concern today than there was six months ago. And we're seeing that in, in, in higher volume of people coming to platforms like us, for example, but also in the market. You drive past on a Saturday an open home and you start, you're starting to see the lines again. Okay, one last thing. Um, we know that the, the travel restrictions has meant a lot of uh, uh, Airbnb apartments in Sydney and Melbourne just aren't being used. What's happening to the investors who own them and our first home buyers, you know, starting to have a look at these apartments because their price may well be coming down? I think that segment's still got a little bit more pain, Peter. Um, I think um, it'll be interesting to see the impact of the borders opening on Queensland and Victoria and Christmas and how much of that excess stock gets soaked up. Mm. Um, those, that are, those that are bearish are going to say it's, you know, it's not going to be cleaned up and, and, and people on the other side are going to dismiss it. And I think the truth is somewhere in the middle, there's probably the six to 12 months of pain on the rental side still to go. And until we don't get our uh, international borders open, there's still going to be a supply uh, there's going to be more rental supply, I believe. But that's one year in a 10-year cycle. And so anybody that has a 5, 10, 20-year time horizon can use this as an opportunity. And it's a great time to be renting. Um, it's a great time to be renting your primary place of residence and, um, you know, buying investments and renting them out. Mm. So one last question then. Have you seen any evidence of investors who own these Airbnb properties in the CBDs starting to put them on the market. Uh, well, I, of course, many of them will be trying to get into the, the longer term rental market, but are, you, are we seeing an increase in supply of those in, once investor owned products coming on the market for auction? Uh, there've been a lot of Airbnbs that have flipped back mm. into more, more long term rentals mm. as we call them. And what that's done is it's, it's reduced the amount of rent However, a massive offsetting factor has been the decline in interest rates. I mean, Westpac is now lending sub 2% on a four-year fixed-term rate. Mm. Um, and so even if your rent has fallen 20 30 40%, interest rates have been a massive offsetting factor. And so that has forced people to force investors that were playing that strategy to absorb some of the pain. There is pain out there, but it's not catastrophic, and the numbers reaffirm that. Okay, Peter Show from Wealthy. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me.
Well, lately we've been hearing that the uh, New South Wales government is looking at changing uh, stamp duty arrangements and the guy who'd be uh, best in the position to understand what possibly will happen and its implications is the CEO of the Real Estate Institute of New South Wales, Tim McKibben. Tim, thanks for joining us. No worries, sir. Thank you for the, for the opportunity. So, Tim, just in case people aren't across the actual news story, what is the news story in relation to stamp duty? Yeah, so the the, the deal, uh, and I think we have to get this up front and say it um, say it right up front. This is only a proposal. Mm. Right now, I think I think this has been dealt with extremely badly. Um, the government came out and made these announcements, and I, and a large part of the public, all they heard was that uh, stamp duty is going and a uh, land tax is coming in. Mm. So both of those things are wrong. Mm. Um, the, uh, the reality of it is it, it is just a, a proposal and they are um, inviting comments from stakeholders and, and that's, uh, the window for that will close, I think, in, in March of next year. Yeah. But um, it, it, has, it has undoubtedly sent um, a bit of a, a wave through the market and people are saying to themselves, you know, am I better to, uh, to wait uh, and, uh, and buy a property um, later on, rather than paying the stamp duty and all the rest of it, so it is. Um, it, it has been. It has been handled badly, I think. Yeah. Okay. So why don't you give us, for those people who aren't across it, what is the proposal that's on the table that is yet to be, you know, uh, run as a piece of legislation, if if ever it will. Yeah. So. It, it is proposed that stamp duty and land tax will be abolished and it will be replaced by a property tax. Now, the property tax is going to be calculated uh, on what's called the unimproved capital value. So if you can pretend that the house has been taken off the land, what would that land be worth? Um, so obviously that's something of a difficult calculation in itself and the value of general uh, is the person who is charged with, uh, with making that, um, that, that calculation or determining that figure. Then um, that is applied against a formula and the formula changes depending on um, what the property uh, is being used for. So by way of some example, if it is owner-occupied, uh, you pay a flat fee of $500 plus um, 0.3% of uh, calculated on the unimproved capital value, and then in a um, in a rented property, so it will be higher than that. Now that's a that's an interesting thing in itself because uh, the tenant uh, would would be expected uh, to to pay more for the rent. I would have thought, otherwise it'll become uncommercial for for investors. Mm. So. What that's going to do to rents has a question mark alongside of it as well. Mm. So what's your attitude towards it? Because it seems to me one thing people would love is not to pay stamp duty going in, but they wouldn't be great fans of paying an annual property tax. Is that basically what the world would be like if this was accepted? Uh, yeah, that, that's it. Mm. That, that is exactly right. You, uh, the property tax is probably more akin to, um, to council rates. Mm. That's how it's going to be calculated. So that's, a, that's a good comparison of, uh, of how it's going to be uh, applied and, and recovered. Mm. But um, 
it's it, it's really does need a lot more input and um, and a lot more from economists um, and uh, and community input as to whether or not this is going to place burdens on um, on people in our society, the the less fortunate, um, and and exactly how this is going to be addressed right right across um, the property market. It's it's not easy. And the other the other question I think that needs to be asked here is why is it property? Why why is it only property mm. that that is taxed? I mean, it's the roof over our head, and I don't I, I don't believe it should be the only target of government. Yeah, and so I, I'll, I'll come back to that in a moment because I I have read what you said. Well, why aren't shares slugged? You know, in the same kind of way. What are real estate agents saying to you about what the impact might be on the industry, selling properties and house prices? Yeah, uh, well, they're great questions because uh, on one side of the of the fence, there's uh, I met with Treasury earlier this week, and they're arguing that property there'll be a lot more property sales, and they put forward an argument for that. Um, and and the argument being that there isn't this penalty, the stamp duty penalty, yep. so people will be able to buy a property that suits their needs today, mm. um, and then exit that property and buy another one that suits their needs tomorrow without um, the stamp duty being involved. Now, that that clearly, on the face of it, um, suggests that there's going to be a lot more transactions, which which I think the, the entire economy and certainly my industry would, uh, would enjoy. Mm. Um, but some of the other questions in, in here are, if, if somebody doesn't have to pay the stamp duty, then that money stays in their pocket and will, will they then be able to push the price up by the amount of stamp duty they haven't paid? Mm. Um, and, and therefore, uh, are they any better off? Now, the government's always said to me that if we remove stamp duty, what's going to happen is that the prices will simply go up. Now, they, they seem to have abandoned that idea. Mm. Um, I think there are some arguments that suggest that that won't happen because when banks are lending they will factor in um, uh, what, what the purchaser will need to pay in, uh, in the, in the uh, property tax. Okay. But we are going to end up, I think, in, at least in the early days, with a two-tier market because you opt into this. So somebody, let's assume that you and I own a property uh, alongside of one another and they're identical. Um, if, uh, if I sell uh, my property, I, I buy a property, uh, and then I choose to sell it. And when when I go to sell it, uh, I, I'm able to offer that property to the market as a stamp duty property and as a land tax property or a property tax, I should say, um, where other people who have already opted in, they'll only be able to offer their property as a property tax property. Mm. So th there is there is the the potential for the for the property that maintains their stamp duty status to be of more value and more interest to the market. Because there's no enduring annual tax. Well, it can be. I mean, the purchasers, you will get purchasers coming to participate in the acquisition of that property. Mm. Um, you'll have those that are prepared to pay the, uh, the property tax. 
there are those that are prepared to pay the stamp duty. Yeah. Whereas once somebody opts in into the property, um, when they take it to market, the only thing they can offer the market is the ability to be able to pay uh, the property tax. Mm. So so that portion of the market that wants to pay stamp duty and, and, and get it done, uh, you will get purchasers coming to participate in the acquisition of that property. Mm. Um, you'll have those that are prepared to pay the, uh, the property tax. There are those that are prepared to pay the stamp duty. Yeah. Whereas once somebody opts in into the property, um, when they take it to market, the only thing they can offer the market is the ability to be able to pay uh, the property tax. Mm. So, so that portion of the market that wants to pay stamp duty and, and, and get it uh, done with, they won't participate in the acquisition of that property. And so th what you're saying is, uh, which a lot of people wouldn't, be, wouldn't be aware of, is that this comes with an opt-in or opt-out option. Correct. Mm. Correct. Very interesting. And 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 in the transitional part of this, um, the government is going to only permit certain properties in. So um, it, it is, they're going to declare uh, the value of a property. So for example, it might be sub five hundred thousand dollars. Only those properties can uh, can opt in. Unbelievable. Right, one final one, mate. You did make the point that. Why is it that just property gets slugged and not other important assets like collectibles and shares and whatever? Um, what, what are governments saying to you on, when you ask that question? Um, I'm getting stone silence. <laughs> I, think, um, I think that we need in this country to have a, a meaningful debate about taxation. And I noticed when the Henry Review was on that in the Henry Review, um, he was not permitted to look at the GST. Mm. Um, but by way of property tax, and this is something that people don't, um, don't realise, in a brand new property that comes to market when, when a, um, the purchaser buys that, 40% of the cost of that property is taxes and charges across three levels of government. Mm. 40%. We want to talk affordability there is a there's an excellent place yeah. to start. Well, it's interesting, mate. I've um, you know, many years ago when I wrote stories on this, it was thirty three percent, but it's now grown to forty percent. Yeah, well, uh, if you're saying that it was some years ago, maybe it was pre GST because yeah. GST is applied to uh, to the property. Yeah. There's um, there's one final thing, Peter. I would like to say um, about the, the, the New South Wales budget. Whilst everybody's attention has been drawn to uh, the discussion about um, the property tax and land tax and stamp duty uh, and the like, nobody has actually focused on what stimulus the government has put into the market at this time. Hmm. Now, if we compare that with Victoria, with their 50% um, reduction in stamp duty and their 25% reduction in stamp duty, depending on what's being acquired, um, that is a that is stimulus here and now, but the New South Wales government has invited discussions only. Mm. So there is nothing being put into the market right now to assist the property economy. So, so Tim, not only are you bringing up a very good point, you're making yourself a very unique Australian, saying something nice about Daniel Andrews. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, I'm uh, I'm uh, Peter discussing taxation. <laughs> along, <laughs> okay, mate. Tim McKibben uh, from the Real Estate Institute in New South Wales. Thanks for joining us. Thank you, Peter. Well, we were supposed to have the real estate agent uh, who is showing this castle in Sydney, a castle in Castle Cove, uh, apparently owned by an owner, according to the newspapers, who actually lives in a castle on the other side of town. I happened by happenstance to know the guy who owns it after a bit of research, um, very famous uh, Australian water polo captain, Peter Montgomery. Peter doesn't talk about his business things on camera. He only talks about sport. But um, his agent didn't show up to, to talk about the property. So I thought at least I would do some uh, advertising for the property owner. Um, and uh, here are some points about the uh, very interesting property. Like who would have thought we even have castles in Australia? We have at least two and both owned by Peter Montgomery. So here's some information, some details about the story that we would have brought to you if the real estate agent has shown up, but on three occasions he decided there was something more important to do, which I guess is his entitlement. But I still wanted to at least run the spot, which I'd you know, promised uh, to you uh, for the show. And uh, here's some information about the castle in Castle Cove. But before we go, we have a Black Friday deal. My book, Join the Rich Club, is half price, $12.50 plus uh, postage and handling. And this is the cheapest way that you'll ever get rich. Make sure you go to switzerstore.com.au to get your great Black Friday deal.